welcome to another episode of the Project Lab podcast, uh, the podcast about tools, trends and technology in product management and collaboration. I'm your host, Mia Nordborg, recording this time from a very sunny Stockholm. With me today is a true pioneer in online working tools and actually one of the persons behind the first ever launched software as a service, Mattias Hellström. Mattias is a true Swedish entrepreneur and software engineer who launched Project Place, an online project management solution, as early as 1998. And Matthias has developed and launched a product in the mid-90s and broke into a highly uncharted territory for enterprise software, where companies, organizations and professionals work together via the internet. So, welcome to the show, Matthias. I'm so glad to have you here. No, thank you, Mia. So, I invited you today so that we can all get inspired from your story and get some perspective on today's increasingly digital workspace and some insights and anecdotes from the early days of online work and product management. But also, I'm really, really curious to find out where you think we're heading. You left Project Place a couple of years ago, and now you've gone back to research and development. And you also work as an angel investor, as I understand. So. Yes. Again, I'm very glad that you are here and took the time. And uh, I'm really curious to know, what are you up to now? Yeah, well, um, as you said, I have some engagement uh, as an angel investor in a couple of startups. That is really interesting. It's really inspiring. Uh, it's mainly within uh, this new area, Internet of Things. So it's more hardware than software, actually. And I'm also, uh, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm working as a business developer in a small research company where I help them to commercialize some of their research results. Mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. And, um, you know, the, it's quite a while the Internet has been around now. And uh, back in the days when it was still very much science fiction to most of us, at, at least, uh, the online collaboration was limited to emailing back and forth. Uh, and how come you came up with the idea and how come you started to think about using the internet as a vehicle to support project and project managers? Yeah, well, I was working at a, uh, at a research institute at that time. Uh, I had a, my own team in a research area called Computer Supported Collaborative Work. And we were looking at how to use new technology for, well, making work organization more effective in, in, in commercial Project work uh, at that time it, it was like simple email and also Lotus Notes was used uh, a lot in especially in larger or organizations and uh, I was involved in a um, European collaborative research project where we were looking at using new internet technologies to build solutions and and I I remember a time when a couple of young and very bright uh, British software engineers demoed for me how they could could build a user interface in in I think it was Netscape 2.0, and it was really crazy. They they, they use like GIF pictures to create buttons, uh, and uh, when I saw that, I I just I just understood what was going to happen. Um, it took a lot longer time than I thought, but but we started immediately to to build prototypes and. The, my area was project collaboration, so we started to build prototypes of how to to share information and uh, interact 
in a project where, where people were working in different countries and in different organizations. And that became, a couple of years later, it became Prodi Place. Mm. So that's that's the way it started. It's really <laughs> it feels like a very long time ago. <laughs> yes, and it is, you know, if you look at the development. Uh, but it's actually fascinating how ideas can come from quite a small thing. So do you remember the first reactions you got from customers or users and colleagues, for example? Yeah, yeah, well, I I remember the when I tried to show these kind of things at at my former research colleague at the research institute. Um, I remember that people were really excited. They also saw the potential of this uh, that you could build new kinds of of applications. But, however, I I didn't well. well I felt uh, <laughs> what they also felt was that my vision of that. Uh, software could become more like an online service than an application you install on a computer. Nobody believed in that. And, and, and that's, I think, is very common that that uh, you get a kind of a epiphany and you are so totally convinced yourself on what where things are going. But then you suddenly realize that no, nobody else believes in what you believe. And so I, I, I strongly, well, I really remember that. It was kind of a struggle to, to convince people about that. But, but it worked out. In, 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 in the, well, it, it, it was really hard to find, what do you say, at that time in, in the dot-com era, it was hard to find financing for, for starting up the company because everybody were totally focused on e-commerce and, and uh, news uh, was spreading information with using web pages and company websites and stuff like that. Mm. So, so no, nobody understood when I said that I wanted to build an online software service business to business. So, so it, it, it took a long time to, to explain <laughs> how it was going to work. Yes, and uh, when it comes to marketing, was it hard to make people understand the benefits of the product? Uh, yeah. Well, it, it was hard to find the right kind of message, uh, but we made a kind of a technical breakthrough where we could very easily upload uh, files to a workspace on, on, on the web. We could just drag and drop files from, from your desktop and it would immediately uh, appear in, in everybody's uh, web browsers. Uh, uh, well, if they were positioned in a different country, it would appear there. And, and nobody had seen that before. And so, so when we created that kind of demo, the message, yeah, well, it, it was very easy. to so, so, so the first years, we just positioned us as a kind of a shared uh, hard drive or shared product folder and so on. But uh, we had also a lot of sophisticated mechanism for for, uh, well, notification and, and the collabor collaborative aspects. That was really the system behind the scenes. Mm. But um, when, when we got that kind of value, uh, when we understood that that was really uh, an important value, it, it wasn't really a problem. We'd, we grew really fast the, f the first years mm. with that solution. Yes, and you were clearly shaping an industry here by launching Project Place. 
Uh, and uh, what was the biggest challenges at that time, both cultural and technology-wise? Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, uh, what I think was, for, if you look at how the technology, uh, it, you have to be like 50 years to understand this, uh, that, that at that time, the computer screens were quite small <laughs> and uh, you have mostly modem internet connections 56 kilobits we're not talking megabits here <laughs> so so well it was not that much you could do so we had great aspiration and wanted to create user experiences very similar to what you had locally on your pc but it was really hard to do we had to to, to fight with the technology and, and we had to had to invent our own ways of doing it new kinds of architectures and so on both in in uh, uh, how you deploy the system in a server farm and and how you create user interaction in a web browser and so on so so it uh, it was really a challenge and and it well I since that time I've said that we probably started like five years too early in in what we were trying to do it was very hard to build a good enough user experience in a software service at that time. But if you had started five years later, there would have been different challenges as well. Yeah, but on the other hand, I don't think so. If you look at, for instance, the companies that's doing very good today, like, for instance, Dropbox and Slack, and, and well, there's a lot of companies out there doing similar things that we, we did at that time. Um, it's so much easier to do, and also the the market is more ready for 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 buying into that kind of of packaging of a solution. So, would you I, have had less technical debt as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's like in software engineering, you always have a technical debt. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. When when five years has passed, you have a technical debt. Yes. But. But it would be it would have been easier to to grow more rapidly than it was for us at that time. I think uh, it was only possible to use this kind of application in Stockholm and in I think San Francisco because uh, people didn't actually people in business didn't actually have internet like that. Mm. There were many product managers that didn't have access to internet at work. <laughs> so, so that was clearly a bottleneck. And also if you look at uh, the market where uh, for these kind of applications like large, uh, quite old organizations, there were, were uh, hard resistance in, in buying a solution like this. So, so the first years we grew very rapidly among uh, startups. And, and there was a lot of startups in Stockholm mm. at that time. The, the, they were our initial market. Mm. And early adopters, I suppose. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, early adopters. Yeah. So did you have a clear vision at the time on how project management and collaboration, uh, how it would, um, well, how it would look in 20 or in 10 years, just 10 years down the line? Yeah, well, I had a vision. I don't know if it was that clear, but, but I, the, when I realized that you could interact and share information just using a web browser, I, I realized that you could, you would enable new kind of work organizations. At, at that time, you had roles and organization structures that was dealing with like 
printing out documentation and and sending it with couriers to to to, to partners in projects, especially in the building industry, for instance, the the manufacturing industry, and and um, even if you look looked at software projects, uh, it was very hard to work uh, geographically dispersed. But uh, I saw the potential in my own product uh, projects at, at that time, how, how you can have, have uh, uh, programmers and user design people and stakeholders spread out. And, and, and I com- immediately realized that that uh, there would be, a, well, a new industry and a new way of working and new roles on the uh, on the market. So, so at that time, I, I, well, it, it. If I look back, I, I think it, it ended up like I thought, but it took, uh, well, it took five times as long time. It, <laughs> I thought it would the change will come will would come very rapidly. Mm. Like in within five years. I think it took twenty years. Mm. Now But you didn't have any other project method in mind from the beginning. Yeah well what I said is like uh, you can never separate uh, technology from processes and methods and so on. Mm. And that was quite controversial at that time because at that time People were always talking about how to support your your organization or your processes with technology to to automate certain things, but support the way. But what I saw was that, well, it has always been the technology that enabled the way we worked. Uh, and and I, when I look back and saw the pattern of of telephony and faxing and so on, I saw that certain kind of international companies were were not possible without that technology. And when I saw the potential in, in well, using internet and modern PCs and so on, then I, I realized that this kind of, that kind of technology would, would be even more, uh, well, work as a, uh, more as a catalyst. And it, it wouldn't support uh, the present organizations. It would enable new, new ones and new ways of working. So, so, and and uh, and when I look at society today, it is actually very similar to to what I saw at that time, and uh, it it feels so. What do you say? Obvious today. <laughs> mm. And uh, what are the tools were people using at the time when they needed to plan or get work done? Well, if you look at it, I don't really remember that much, but it was like, um, of course, in in the products I were. Well, I was involved in it. We had uh, we had email, but some of our, our uh, partners didn't have the possibility to send and receive attachments in email. And that was really strange. It's hard to believe. But uh, Microsoft Project was a new, very modern uh, planning software, and that uh, product managers got almost religious about it. They they felt that if uh, they just plan it good enough, it would. It would actually execute according to the plan, and was a, it it spread in the in the society like kind of a virus and a very strange religious belief that you can actually plan in detail what was going to happen th- uh, through a year. So 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 yeah, it it was quite strange because in my research in work organization and planning, I saw that that. Uh, 
nobody with a kind of a good theory on in social anthropology would ever believe that that was possible that you can actually plan the behavior of like 100 people one year in advance. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting times and, and I thought that um, we would very rapidly create a completely different kind of planning experience, like a collaborative planning experience. And we tried to do it, but once again, we, we, we tried to do it too early because uh, the web browser technology wasn't really good enough mm. for that. But I think if you look at Product Place today, uh, it works the way I, I thought we we would, uh, uh, yeah, succeed or achieve something like that at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. At the time uh, when you became an entrepreneur, this Project Place was your first entrepreneurial experience. Is that true? Uh, so sort of. I've started two small companies before that, mm. but uh, in in with a, a small business uh, dis, business modeling tool on Macintosh okay. and, and so on. But, but uh, it uh, it didn't take off. Okay, so this was a little bit of a bigger achievement, uh, entrepreneurial. If you look at your entrepreneurial experience, uh. yeah, it was because it was the first time I just left my very safe employment. Mm. Uh, I had a very good position there because I, I got promoted to to be one of the well, one of the managers at the, at the research institute, and so so it was very hard for me to to actually take the plunge. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and leave the safety. Yeah, yes, mm. yes. So. Uh, that was your feelings about becoming an entrepreneur, but how was the climate uh, for tech startups during that dot-com era? This was in the late 90s. And, yes, uh, yes. Well, 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 it was quite good. It was mm-hmm. kind of, we, we had, uh, uh, it was hard to explain for uh, investors what the business model was. Uh, that was hard to explain, but there was a lot of interest in, in the technology. A lot of it, and and we find we uh, we met the business angel, uh, angel that that uh, he he said he didn't believe in the idea in the and so to create a software as a service, business to business software as a service, but he believed in the technology and the team, and he said you will come up with something else. So so that so it was actually it was quite easy at that time to to find. Uh, venture capital, but it was very hard to convince people about the business model. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And then the bubble burst in early yeah, 2000. Yeah, and we lost a lot of our customers mm. <laughs> at that time. Mm. Yeah, that was That's, tough. That mm. was the interesting times. Mm. So, uh, what was the reactions uh, from the first customers? Uh, could they see the value from the service? Do you have any examples or customers yeah, well, ha- you can? I have an example. What we, I think, we built the first. We we built the first version of the system. We built it in just like six months or something. We worked around the clock for six months, and we put up a, a, a beta version. And we um, invited some journalists, and they wrote about it. And uh, the headline, I think, was the the future virtual workplace, and. Um, uh, uh suddenly uh, a guy called me he was working as a product manager at a Swedish insurance company the name was Lance Försäkringar and he called me and said he has read the article 
and he said that he had a really urgent need of sharing information in a project, the collaborative project he had among, I think, I don't remember if it was like three insurance companies doing something together. Uh, <clears throat> and, and, and he said he had uh, such a problem of sharing and commu communicating within the project, sharing information and so on. So he said he wanted to try out the system. And, and I said, we're not even ready for a beta yet. And, but he called me almost every day for two weeks, and and he, and, and I said, well, if, you have to also try out our automatic invoicing system. So so we we will charge you for this. He said to me that I, I want to pay to get first in line, and uh, we put out the system, and I sent him an SMS, I think, and five minutes later he had signed up and also paid the invoice that was electronically generated. And and he was so positive all the time. And he said, this is a revolutionary way of working for me as a product manager. So then I just, I started to believe in the idea myself. I was uh, I was a little bit skeptical, to be honest, about the whole thing. But, but then I suddenly started to believe in it. And uh, it was, it was much easier to work then with the product because then we had a lot of users and customers and we could listen to uh, to them all day and, and fine-tune the system. There can't have been many companies around at that time who did electronic invoicing. No, I don't think there weren't. I, actually, our system was quite similar to, to Klarna, the Swedish mm. <laughs> electronic payment. So uh, we probably should have changed the business idea and, and gone that way. We had a very, very automated system. So, so the system sold itself. We actually made uh, a lot of money uh, one week when we all had a vacation. Uh, and that, that was really strange that the system worked automatically and it also was selling itself automatically. Mm. And yeah. it still is. Sort <laughs> <laughs> <I saw> of. <laughs> so what was the... Um, uh, features that was most used or requested from customers uh, and did you develop the service together with the users or did you follow your own vision what was the uh, how was the work conducted on developing the product yeah well well i think i was following my own vision a lot about um, i tested a lot of we say theoretical uh, theoretical models on how uh, to support professional collaboration. We uh, we were tested a, a, a method that we call speech act theory, for instance, where we coded up uh, communicational events in a, a certain way. And that became then, uh, well, in a system you, you could follow uh, a kind of a uh, summarize of, of what people did in the systems. You can always go back and see everything that everyone has ha, had had done, and that was extremely appreciated among people. So, and then we also generated a kind of a daily report in the mail that every product man member could see what every other member had done, updated documents or or posted something and so on. And so, and that was kind of my first, well vision of what we needed to do uh, in a collaborative professional scenario and it worked out however quite rapidly i think just after two years we got a lot of demand among the customers to 
try to implement something similar to Microsoft Project in the system. And we worked very closely with a with with an our most important customer. And that was a huge mistake. I I I didn't believe in in the way Microsoft Project supported planning. I didn't believe in that at all. But I was like pushed into it by the important customer and so on. And uh, uh, so we, we did it and we did it like five to ten years too early because it wasn't possible to do good enough in a web browser that kind of use interaction you have in a modern project planning tool. And also the result wasn't according to my vision about how to plan collaboratively in a project, how to actually start by a rough plan and break it down and work with it and revise it uh, well, involving both stakeholders and project the product team. So, so it was a huge mistake and, and I learned a lot from that in my life that, that it's like uh, customers, you should of course listen to customers but you can never like customers won't ask for anything that they don't know about so they, w- they won't ask for a uh, innovation. Yes, yeah. uh, they won't ask for innovation. <laughs> but isn't that the difference between between understanding the actual need yes, and yes. Uh, looking for the actual solution? Yeah, and, and uh, I think as a, if you if you try to be a little bit innovative and you are an entrepreneur, you should always go with your gut feel here. You, of course, you can be wrong, and you have to. Sometimes you have to relearn and and and. And do something else, but but you should never abandon. If you still have a belief, mm. you should stick with that um, until you give up. But mm. but you should not, for instance, change your product strategy just because a couple of important customers give you a little money. Mm. At that time, it was a huge amount of money for us, but but uh, uh, it uh, it didn't work out. We we had to pay for that for many years. But isn't that the dilemma of both? projects but also startups and companies in general that you money sometimes uh, create this kind of dilemma and problems yes yes of course yes of course but uh, I think what really differentiates is if you can uh, well you have to prove to the market that you have something that is new and and better than than what is present. So, mm. so you have to take some risk. And it's also about, if you look at really successful entrepreneurs uh, at the market, for Steve Jobs, for instance, but but you have many more uh, semi-successful, they are always also good at storytelling. So, and that I feel like uh, I wasn't really good enough <laughs> at, at the telling the story of the vision. I, w- I was... Uh, uh, a little bit like uh, autistic about that. I felt like everybody should understand that without me telling them mm-hmm. and so on. So it was, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot about that kind of things now that when I work with other startups. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to revisit what you said about the speech act theory because I don't think everyone listening knows exactly what this is and what the... the uh, what it consists of. Uh, can you just tell us shortly about it? Yeah, well, it's um, uh, it was a guy that uh, worked in San Francisco, I think. His name was Fernando Flores. And, and 
he together with a guy called Terovinograd. I, I cannot go into this; it's too complex. But but what they experimented with was um, classifying and understanding uh, in in what way people communicate when they work together professionally. For instance, yeah, mm. I think the the first idea came from family therapy, uh, the, because in family therapy. Uh, there was this kind of consensus in, in in that the way you talked in the therapeutic s- s- session, the way you talked uh, would change behavior of people. And, and they realized that you can actually see what kind of speech would change what behavior. Mm-hmm. And they classified like 42 different classes of speech that you can use in a management scenario. Like... Uh, I don't remember this theory really, but what got stuck in my head here was that if you have this insight, you could realize that there are some behavior and communication in a a product system that should be notified and visualized. Mm. So, So in that, I think in that, at that time, there weren't any things like notifications. Mm. <laughs> uh, so if you look at Facebook, uh, you have it uh, there. But we had had it like 10 years before Facebook or mm. seven years before Facebook, something. Mm. We, we had it in the core, in the system. Mm. And um, uh, today, you know, behavior science has gone so much further than that mm. in, in, in understanding how, how you can use positive feedback to really change behavior of people. But at that time, it was quite unique because uh, if you share some information uh, with people in a project, that's a good thing. You put it in a like a shared hard drive. That's a good thing. But the value really comes from when you notify people about, about what what people have done. Mm. If if you put up a document, it's really important to notify you if who has read it. Mm. Yeah, who has updated it and so on. Mm-hmm. So, so the the events uh, happening around the information is much more po- uh, important than the information. Mm-hmm. And and I I, uh, I learned that from the speech act theory, mm-hmm. but I don't think anyone uses that theory anymore because the the, the social science and behavior science has has gone a lot has developed a lot mm-hmm. more since that time. Well, I speak about it sometimes as the history of Project Place. Um, and that comes from you, of course, uh, telling me about it. And uh, um, what I normally say as um, the core of it is that communication is necessary to create the engagement in yeah. the project. That is a yeah. necessity to have the right communication to achieve the collaboration you need to succeed. Yeah, and, and the learning you do together along the way. Mm. Because you constantly need to learn on... on, on what you do Mm. okay so now it's been over 17 years since uh, you first started project place and um, maybe this is a difficult question but how do you think project management has changed in the last 20 years yeah it's a difficult question but what what i can see when i uh, is when i meet companies and people and and also in my uh, personal life i can see that that this kind of a strange view on on planning and management is uh, that that you can have a manager that 
foresee everything that was going to happen and tells people what to do. It's a very strange view on, on how to lead people. And I think it's a, a very short period in, in, in society that we have had that view on management. Uh, so, so what I can see is that that has changed and uh, your product managers today and, and also other kinds of management roles have a more pragmatic view on, on, on the management, how to lead people and so on. And, and people are realizing that people need, well, you, you need the purpose of what you do and you need some goals in short term that you can achieve. And then you need a lot of communication and interaction and learning together. And, and like 20 years ago, that was a very controversial view because you had some kind of scientific management view that you said that the manager should be very intelligent and, and almost a mathematician or something. And he should foresee what everybody needed to do and send them instruction what to do. And, and then he or, or she should follow that up. And that's a very naive way of looking at, at uh, how to achieve goals. It's like if a football trainer should tell Slatan uh, exactly when to hit the ball and something like that. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a, a very scientific management, uh, I think, was kind of the way it was. Well, well uh, it was kind of a, a naive way of looking. Um, uh, at uh, traditional hard science in engineering and try to make that work also for for people for 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 controlling and and uh, manage people mm. but that has really changed so mm. it's, it's, it was like uh, i think the first the f the embryo for that change you saw in in the toyota model at that time when car companies learned that that there were much more effective ways of, of improving processes by uh, engaging people mm. at the work floor in, in it. Mm. And so so I, I think 20 years ago it was uh, when, when the Toyota model became lean and then lean became agile within software, <laughs> software development, then, then, then it happened. I think it had have, well, it has really spread that kind of modern mm. view. Okay. Mm. Yes, I agree with you, but uh, there's a lot of these changes when it comes to the agile and lean ways of working that's really happening within project management now. Yeah. Um, and just the last two years has been a big change in yeah. How, yeah. how project managers are taking on these techniques as a way of leading people. Yeah. Uh, it's not just technique, it's kind of a knowledge on how human being works mm -hmm. and and, and uh, yes create your own values according to that so you realize that i have values that will guide me on how to to interact with people because i know how people work <laughs> mm -hmm. yes and it's of course it's in many ways impossible to foresee the future um but if we look at the um brute force of ongoing digital transformation in the society. How do you think we will work and use technology in the coming 20 years? How do you think platforms and different solutions of managing work, projects and collaboration will evolve? 
Yeah. Well, it. Uh, well, you can see it happening right now everywhere, of course, with with even more advanced devices like smartphones and so on. You can see. If I visit a, a startup today, I can see that they use mostly their phones when when they work together, and and they use a lot of real time uh, messaging and and so on. So it's, it's quite quite uh, amazing. But but you also have different different things going on in society. For instance, in electronic payments and and in the the value chain and value networks can form much faster today. And that will, of course, uh, affect the management principles. Uh, if you, uh, you you need a certain kind of competence in your project, and one hour later you have a team in Ukraine, and uh, you can see them work in real time. You can see every stroke they have on the keyboard. I've seen that in some companies now. Uh, it, you don't need to be afraid of what is going to happen because you can... As a software engineer, engineer, you can see the other so programmers every keystroke in real time, and that's not. People don't feel like it's a control mechanism. They feel it's a kind of way of creating trust immediately, without even meet each other. So, and this is going to, I think, evolve even more and faster. And and then you have, in short term, you have technology like virtual reality. I don't know what how this is going to play out, but I know it's going to change things. Uh, and you have a lot of other technology, like for instance, the, uh, the hyped blockchain technology behind uh, uh, Bitcoin. That is, well, that makes it possible to create uh, like kind of a agreements between people without having any middleman and so on. And that, I think, will, will not only change the way business is done, but it will also change how we think about things in the society, how, how we think politically. <laughs> so mm. This is getting a little bit out of hand, but, but I feel like this, we are a, some really profound changes. It will probably induce some kind of crash in the society. I don't know, but but then things will be much better <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And if you look like 20 years, then I'm completely convinced that we will have uh, start to see brain augmentation where you can you can interface your brain directly. You you well, you can increase your memory, your intelligence and your ability to communicate by interfacing with with your brain. It could take 20 years or 30 years, but it will happen. Would you be an early adopter of that? Well, maybe I will be too old. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can increase your life by then yeah. as well. I will certainly buy all the virtual reality equipment that will be out there this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, there's, of course, a lot of um, future... Um, um, well, people are looking into the future and uh, trying to foresee what's going to happen. And they talk about robots and 3D printers, etc. And I think uh, a lot will happen. We don't know. But I yeah. think hearing from you, what you think is, of course, very interesting. Because for me, you're the person I know that is the the earliest adopter of all my friends <laughs> and uh, and people I know. <laughs> because uh, you always have the latest technology and like to try out new things. Uh, and that's, of course, uh, 
that's of course very interesting. But I, from my end, I'm always a little bit scared of trying out new technology. I'd like someone else to try it first to see that it actually works. Isn't many customers like me? Of course, of course. Yeah. But that's the beauty of it. But if you look at it from an evolution perspective, uh, you need all kind of profiles and personalities mm. and so on. And uh, you could divide the humanity in like conservatives or and progressive people, but uh, it's much more complex than that. And also people can change the way they view things uh, during their life according to their experience and so on. It, for me, it's probably just that I've always got positive feedback when I I dive into new technology. Mm-hmm. I like it. I also kind of a dreamer. I like to just think and dream about things. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. Okay. <laughs> glass of wine and some thinking. <laughs> Sounds lovely. So uh, when I started, you were the C- CEO of the company. Uh, and I know that we have learned a lot through the years. Uh, we've gone through changes and challenges. But I wonder, what have you learned most about leadership? Well, if you ask me like that, I feel like what I, the most important lessons are my own shortcomings. My, my yeah, my personality, that the things I'm born with and what I have been able to improve and so on. So my communication skills, I've I, I learned my limitations. But... Uh, if you look at young people, they shouldn't focus on their limitations because then they will never dare to start a new company or become a new product manager for a product and so on. But but it's very important that you learn from, from your mistakes and, and, and your problems. What, what I feel I, I've learned most is, is that's, I think, also uh, my, my, my wife is a... Uh, it's called psychotherapist, I think it's called in English, and and she has uh, well, she she has been involved in research and so on, and I learned a lot from from her. And what I learned there is is how human being works, how the brain works. And like five or ten years, I dived into neuroscience, and I've been following following achievements there, and there's some a lot of things we are learning about how the brain works that can explain modern behavior science and modern behavior science can explain AGI and Kanban and Kaizen and so on, why it works. Mm. So so um, all these things I I learned during my time at Product Place. It, mm. it, and, and I saw it happen in in the company. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so, so, so it's, I have a lot of examples from 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 uh, the time at Product Place that I can like recall when I need to understand a certain situation in another company. Mm. And now you mentioned the Lean and Agile again, and uh, are these principles applicable for everyone? Yeah, as, as long as you 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 use them according to how people's brain works, then they are applicable to everything. Or so on. But if if you try to use a certain kind of agile software product method, then it may not be applicable because some of the terminology in the methodology is taken for granted that you are developing 
a certain kind of software. Mm. But uh, if you look at the, the basics and the foundation, it's, it's uh, of course, applicable to, to everything that human beings do together. If you, it's even applicable, in, I think, to, to a family. <laughs> uh, the, the, the management of a family and the management of your own personal relations and so on. Mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely applicable to dating, I think. So, so now I have to ask, do you work agile in your family? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I think so. We, we, uh, we have a lot of communication and we have a lot of... Well, we use technology a lot for, mm-hmm. for, for making priorities. Mm-hmm. We are very fast uh, when making decisions and, and acting. Do the kids get to self-organize? Yeah, they, because they, of course, they, they um, well, what we mostly use is, is um, con- cognitive behavior, well, positive reinforcement we use, of course. Like, uh, you wait uh, with the criticism until you have the, see the behavior you want, and then you give positive feedback mm. about that kind of behavior. Mm. I know that that isn't really expressed as a method in 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 agile but if you look at for instance uh, a scrum scrum master's way of working you can see that kind of principles mm. in there yeah that has some more coaching uh, yeah 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 it, yeah, yeah it's a, well coaching is a, a fundamental part of modern management principles mm. uh, it's a part of the toyota model it's part of 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 all agile methodologies a part of lean Mm. And if you fail with a transformation to a more lean principle or way of working, it's very often due to that you haven't understood the importance of the coaching culture and the coach as an occupation. Mm. This is so interesting. I I could actually go on all day. Um, But finally, uh, if you were to give some advice to someone that just has become a project manager for the first time, what would that be? Yeah, well, I actually give that kind. I'm a mentor to a couple of, of, of managers and, and, and I try to, to make them focus on the meaning and the purpose of what they do. Try to define that and, and create a story around it. It's so important that you can communicate the purpose of what you do. And also that you need to to agree with the customers or the stakeholders of a project on that story. You, you need to you need to interact with the stakeholders before you start. So so the meaning or the purpose you have defined that you get acceptance for that and 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 improve that story. And then my advice is to start to deliver something as fast as possible. That's the major principle with, with Lean in India, for instance, that you need to test your hypothesis of your plan by delivering something and get feedback on it. Mm. Because you, you will also test your team in this first deliverable, and you will also test the, the uh, well, uh, the users, the customers, the, the stakeholders. And you will learn from that. So start to deliver something as fast as possible. It's, it's always possible to de- deliver something, even if you're building a building or whatever you do. It's you can always deliver something and get feedback from it. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Matthias, for being here, uh, for you. telling us so much about the history and about the, your idea of the future. 
So I'm very happy that you took the time. And for everyone else, thank you so much for listening today. Please follow us on at Project Place on Twitter. You can find me under at Nianor, that's M-I-A-N-O-R. Please send us questions, comments and ideas and please use the hashtag ProjectLabPod. You can also try online collaboration for free at projectplace.com or visit theblog.projectplace.com to reach the Project Lab blog. See you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.